0: Count us off, bro.
1: Three, two,
0: one. Are you ready, Are you ready Brendo? I'm ready. We'll 2020, Brendomania. Mania. Just like that. Just, Just like, like that. that. <laughs> do, 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 do. Just like that. Radio Brando Man. Radio Brando Man. Radio Brando Man. Shut up, Tatanka. Uh oh, here we are. Yeah. Where are we? Welcome everybody to another episode of Radio Brendoman. My brother and me. I'm Brendan Creasy. I'm Carson Crashly the Fourth. We're brothers. Today, very special episode. It's Brendomania.
1: Brendomania.
0: What exactly is Brendomania? Well, you decided we should have a Royal Rumble. Wait, 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 wait. I decided? This yeah. is this is a democracy. This is a collaboration. You suggested. Right. Strongly suggested.
1: That we do a Royal Rumble.
0: A fantasy Royal Rumble.
1: fantasy Royal Rumble.
0: That's right. So we are going to do a fantasy Royal Rumble that entails entrance into our virtual ring every two minutes, as indicated by a countdown and or... That means someone else is ready to enter the ring, and who's going to be entering the ring? We don't know. We we have a... a, We have... We're going to try to aim for 20... Yeah, twenty combatants, and who are the combatants? It's a mystery. We have them in names in a bowl. It's it's mom's bowl from Thanksgiving. Hi, mom. Yes, we have your bowl. We'll get it back to you someday. <laughs> Remember what was in this bowl, Brendo?
1: No fluff. Oh yeah, the fluff that you made.
0: I made fluff. Shout out to Kathy. Turned me on to fluff. It's been a staple Isn't at Thanksgiving. It ambrosia. Yeah, it's a little different. The fluff, cranberry fluff. Real easy. Cool Whip, yes. Ground, food processed, I chopped it myself, fresh cranberries. The key is where all that flavor comes from, two cans of crushed pineapple. And maybe I threw in some sugar too, super easy, boom. Anyway, that's the bowl. Inside the bowl are 20 combatants, a combination of wrestlers. Current. Yeah. Former. Yeah. Dead. Yeah. Wrestling adjacent, but did appear as wrestlers at one point, at least once. They're in there. And as well as a few just random wild cards, just to keep it fun. Because it's a fantasy Brendomania. Nothing's real. The vaccine's not real. Don't say that. Don't say what?
1: Don't say the vaccine's not Well, real. I mean, in this
0: space, there's no vaccine. Okay. There's also no COVID, so... There's fans in the stand. Where are we for the site of Brendomania? <clears throat> I'm, being ju- I'm getting juiced. Are you juiced? Let's set the scene. Where is the first annual fantasy Brendomania? It's not less a WrestleMania and more a Royal Rumble. If
1: I could pick any place in
0: the world. Yes. This is your Brendomania. I would have it at the Tokyo Dome. The Tokyo Dome. I'm sure Weezer sold out that place a few times. I don't know. It's a lot of, it's a big stadium. They're huge in Japan. Oh, yeah? If you listen to Pinkerton, it's about, yeah. it's about the love letter to, to Japanese culture. Anyway, we're in the Tokyo Dome, site of such wrestling feats as Wrestle Kingdom. Pff, duh. Wrestle Kingdom, which is? It's
1: the New Japan Wrestling's Wrestlemania.
0: Now, I don't know much about New Japan. But I do know New Japan's been around a long time. Yeah. How old is New Japan?
1: Well, they've been around. New Japan's been around since the 70s.
0: Old. But anyway, we're at the Tokyo Dome. It's the main event. It is Brendomania. 20-ish combatants enter the ring. One finishes. Let's do it. We're ready for our first two. We start off with two. Well, we're, yeah, we're going to draw one, talk about it, and then draw the next one right away. And then I got a timer. i gets I'm to draw? Up. You get to draw. We'll alternate drawing. You can draw the first one. It's Brendomania.
1: Uh, everyone's going nuts over Sting showing up on TV tonight.
0: Oh, man, maybe he'll show up in the ring at the Tokyo Dome. All right, start us off, Brendo. Who is? Who's music? Who's coming down? Who's the first combatant? It is brett the hitman yes. oh my god now <sighs> brett the hitman heart he's gone the distance before in a in Royal rumble has he not he hasn't won the Royal rumble no but he's he's gone a long way
1: he went to the final four a
0: couple right. times he, he seems to me like if there's a guy who's gonna hang around for all of it you know do the whole, what's it called when someone starts as number one and finishes the whole one the iron man he's gonna do the iron man Who's done the Iron Man before?
1: Well, Ric Flair was no, started off at, like, number three, I think. Yeah,
0: that was a good one, though. 92.
1: Uh, Chris Benoit went all the way, but they don't well, about that. We don't talk that. about that.
0: Yeah, we talk uh, about Rey Mysterio. That. We will not be drawing, ironic. Yeah. Well, he's done it. Holy shit. Yeah. Okay, well, we got it. We can't, he can't be in the ring by himself. Bretman Hitman Hart. His theme music's playing. He's in there, drawing up his, his first competitor. Who's he going to face off against? Kevin Owens.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <Is that laughs> Why did you? This is
0: a. These are two Brendo picks facing off, squaring away. This is a good. This is a match I'd love to see. This is a fantasy dream match. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. How two Canadians, two Canucks, walk uh, into a ring.
1: Kevin Owens is a big dude,
0: big yeah, man, big man. Um, Bret Hart. Definitely more technical skill, but Kevin Owens is no slouch. Now, is the Hitman going to be torn because he's fighting Kevin Owens and his brother's name is Owen? Is he going to have any qualms or show yeah, any hesitation? No. Any? Uh, are they going to team up later? You think in our Rumble? and join Maybe the some team?
1: Canadian teaming up.
0: Yeah, maybe some you know Canadian power. All right, so we got two Canadians facing off. What are they doing right now? Are They grappling. Yeah, they're they're gonna start off with some. They're starting off with some technical skill. Technical skills. They're showing all all that all that good mat training.
1: I once saw. Well, Emily once saw when we went to go see
0: because Kevin Owens is somebody we've been watching since he was in the. Five, 80s. four, three, two, one. There's another combatant as these Canucks are showing off their technical prowess. Who's it gonna be? It is Bo Jackson. Bo Jackson Peak pre injury Bo Jackson. Oh, oh my man. goodness. Did he ever show up in wrestling? I don't think so. See see his his professional sports career ended prematurely, but I believe had he excel excelled into like the NWO era how great would it be, Bo to Jackson, like, in the
1: NWO instead yes. of Dennis,
0: Dennis Rodman in that he, Dennis Rodman role? Why not? Why do we have to get rid of Rodman? Why can't we have both, Rodman and Bo Jackson? Yes, but can you imagine, like Bo Jackson, like teaming up with like the Legion of Doom? He still has his pads. He's got a bat. <laughs> but there's spikes on Jackson's pads, and maybe spike on his bat. This, this is this is insane. Bo knows what he knows. How to throw some fuckers over the top rope. Is this is this where I think we have to? Look at? I think I think Bo is just running into the ring, sprinting in the ring, and he just he just tosses Kevin Owens over over the ring. He does a, he does a shoulder slam, gets up dazed, throws him over the top rope, and boom, it's Bo and Hitman. What what's going on with that? How does a technician like Hitman handle himself in the ring?
1: Bo is a very novice? fast. Bo's got speed. How is a
0: Hitman going to protect you know? Protect him from showing that he's not that experienced. What's going on in this ring right now? I think we're seeing a lot of crowd posturing. There's
1: a lot of taunting, some punchy kicky. Punchy kicky, punch, punch, punch. As we call it, punchy kicky. And um, maybe some. Bret Hart tosses
0: bow through the second rope. Through the second rope. They brawl on the outside. They're outside. Oh, they're going outside. And as they are combating outside, it's time for another one. Who's next? (laughs) Oh, it's Doink Evil Clown. Make sure to put Evil Doink, not the bullshit not, face Doink. Not the heroic Doink, the evil Doink.
1: The evil Doink. They would like squirted his flower in kids' faces, made the kids cry, bra,
0: as Crush said. Didn't Doink make his way onto the video, one of the video games? Yeah, he was in WrestleMania, the arcade game. That's ridiculous. He had the joy buzzer. And the sloppy hands, he'd you smash your face with his big hands. Oh my god, I can see it now. Doink is doing some like mock, like he's in awe of Bo Jackson and then delivers like a cheap shot. Doink like tries to get Bo to autograph him and then punches him in the face. Yeah. Pulls out a Sharpie like, and Bo's like, what, you want me to autograph You know your, your suit? And then Doink just turns around, sucker punches him, laughs, tries to like heal up the crowd, and he gets tossed. By Bo. Bo's eliminated everybody <laughs> so far. This is crazy. He's coming Shout out, next. also, Doink from Portland. Portland, Oregon. We got Bo Jackson. All right, number oh, five.
1: It, number five. Robocop.
0: Robo- now, is this a wrestler or a fantasy? For- combatant.
1: Well, Robocop did appear at WCW Capital Combat 1990. 1990.
0: He was a tag team partner. With Sting. And how did he do? Well, he was Sting's security. Oh, he, security. One of he, those. He's just he
1: there. He escorted Sting to the ring, I think, or something. Did he get
0: on the apron? How did the Robocop get up
1: there? He didn't get
0: on the apron. He just went, he was on the, on the aisle. Because he was in the full, like, film. This was a full-on on Robocop. It was a full-on Robocop. Was it, what was his name, Paul? Peter Weller. Was it Peter Weller? I believe not. It was a, it was a double. It was yeah. a devil. So he is making his way to the ring slowly, I take it. Pretty slowly, he's taking up he all he his time. <laughs> oh my god! So this is Robocop. He cannot get into the ring. Robocop cannot get his leg up to the apron. Can you get counted out of, of if you Robo? don't
1: make it into the ring before the next guy makes it into the ring? I think you get eliminated. I think that's the consensus. I think the
0: I think the ref is counting out Robocop because he's taking so long getting to the ring. <laughs> that's unfortunate. Oh my goodness Meanwhile Bret Hart and Bo Jackson still going at it Still going at it This time Bret Hart uses some momentum reversal And tosses Bo Jackson through the middle rope Into RoboCop So Bo Jackson is concussed outside Because he got thrown into a metal Police officer So we got has now Jackson been eliminated.
1: RoboCop
0: Outside the ring And Bret Hart's in there just counting down, waiting. Five, four, three, three two, two, one. Who's coming next? Oh, Robocop, he's done. He got counted out. He's it's turning your turn, around. Right? He's turning around. And now entering the ring is Captain Avenger. Who the fuck is Captain you Avenger? Captain Avenger. That's John Ritter. 1980. Sidebar. What have we been watching? Well,. I watched a big chunk of 1980 classic John Ritter because a friend of mine, Greg Bogoni, who is a pop culture, uh, r- he's just amazing. He knows. He's just like he's a, t- he's, a he's a living time capsule. And Does he, he just have was, a podcast? He should. He's probably been on some, but he has. He has an encyclopedic knowledge, and he just posts on Facebook waiting for the gritty reboot. Of Captain Avenger Which is John Ritter name in a the 1980's movie. hero movie
1: What's the name of the movie? Uh,
0: it is Hero at Large It's got John Ritter It's got uh, Harrison Ford's wife From Patriot Games It's the romantic lead She's great Ann Archer You know, remember the mom from Patriot oh, yeah. Games And uh, Claire in Present Danger uh, It's a wild movie man you gotta it is it is it exciting? I right fell now? asleep. How you fell asleep? Like ten?
1: No, like thirty minutes in.
0: I don't know, but he plays a out of work actor. It's confusing because the opening scene has like a twist. It's like him and his girlfriend uh, fighting about a pregnancy, but it turns out oh they're just actors practicing a scene. And that Brennan's like... I missed that part. He was like, yeah, that he had his girlfriend pregnant and she never appeared again. I was like, well, n- no, that was just misdirection. A lot of that in the movie. But if you're ever a John Ritter fan, it's great. I think if there was a gritty reboot, um, it would be The Joker. But instead of Joaquin Phoenix, because it's John Ritter, it would be Pete Holmes <laughs> playing the gritty...
1: Pete Captain Holmes Avenger. is like a very John Ritter. is, yes. I think that's why he people, sounds like him.
0: I think like that. We. I think like Hollywood was like, oh, he reminds us of John Ritter and looks like him,
1: and everybody loves and John Ritter. Oh, like,
0: oh. Let, let's give him a. Sh- let's give him a talk show. Oh, oh. It didn't work. Let's let's get him an apatow produced HBO show. Oh, oh. Shout out to Pete Holmes, turning privilege into opportunity. I love. Stay tuned. Stay tuned is a Great Raider vehicle. Uh, kind of disturbing when, like, you know, we love TV. It's a movie about TV. Family members get sucked in the TV, but it's, like... Way before run,
1: Pleasantville
0: did it. It's run by hell. It's run by, like, the devil.
1: Yeah, played by pedophile so Jeffrey like, Jones. It's got, like,
0: shades of the cool of uh, The Good Place. It's good. It's good stuff.
1: I don't know why I said pedophile... Because uh, he got caught with... I'm listening to a lot of British podcasters lately.
0: Oh my goodness, there's another combatant entering <clears throat> the ring. Captain Avenger is getting pummeled with fists by Bo Jackson. They're pummeling, they're being pummeled. What's going on in the ring? It's confusing. Bo Jackson's knee is giving up. Captain Avenger... <laughs> Lil... And a baby, a baby, my daughter has entered the ring. I think I was looking at Lil. Uh, You were like.
1: I think it'd be pretty funny if a baby entered the ring.
0: This is dangerous. Yeah, but I think it's distracting. It's distracting. So, who would be most distracted by a baby? Captain Avenger tries to save the baby. Captain Avenger tries to save the baby from who? Who's gonna. Who. Is Brett the Hitman Hart taking out a hit on a baby? I don't think so. Well,
1: the, the, the baby's just in general danger. It's a wrestling ring.
0: I said it's a wrestling ring. Baby's in danger. But the baby is surprisingly holding her own. The baby's holding her own. Um, maybe all the wrestlers in the ring Are circled around the baby Just like being cute And then by surprise Sudden entrant comes in Someone's going to be distracted by the baby Because they're coming to the ring fast Sprinting to the ring Is the Macho Man Macho Man seizes the opportunity To throw John Ritter over the top rope Real fast Clothesline to him He's out of there He's squaring off against uh, Brett the Hitman Hart Meanwhile Bo Jackson is cradling the baby like a football, making Heisman Trophy poses. (laughs) Uh, And he's an amateur. He hasn't always doing... Uh, There is an attractive woman in the crowd who wants to get a picture with Bo and the baby. Bo makes the mistake of stepping over the top rope for the photo opportunity selfie and eliminates himself and the baby for the purposes of a photo op, leaving the Macho Man and Bret Hart alone in the ring. Describe the action, Brendo. Get us caught off.
1: Oh, these guys are just... This is going to be another technical masterpiece.
0: Technical masterpiece. These are two of the best ever to lace up the boots. Brett the Hitman does that thing where it's like, oh no, he has the Macho Man in his finisher. He's in the figure four, but... The sharpshooter. The sharpshooter. That doesn't do a lot of good in a Royal Rumble format. Yeah. So he has to break it himself. And meanwhile, he's, he's thinking about what to do. He's he's pulling up the macho man for he's throwing him into the corner. He's trying to lift him out, but the macho man is getting his wind back as another combatant comes in. Brett the hitman hard on top of the macho man.
1: It's Mantar.
0: Mantar. That's your choice. You're going to explain it.
1: Well, Mantar is a looks like a giant bowl. Yeah. It's a wrestling bull, mm-hmm. and uh, he's, he has a giant head with, like, smoke coming out.
0: Where is Mantar from? WWF, baby. That's a real wrestler?
1: That was a wrestler in the mid-90s.
0: Is a, is a Mantar. He's got they smoke. had a
1: lot of crazy characters back in the 90s.
0: Well, Mantar's coming to the ring. And they, the wrestlers who are in there, Brett, they break it up. They see, they're just kind of, they have that confused what to, what to F look. And they form an alliance and they double clothesline Mantar out of the ring. Because Mantar isn't long for this world, wasn't long for our rumble. And that brings to the ring someone you can't kill. It's David Arquette. It's number 10. David Arquette's coming Threaded in. We're at a halfway point. David Arquette's coming in strong. And David Arquette, you know, he's, he's there to earn respect. You know, Mantar's gone. David Arquette, you know, this is where the, uh, you know, the pros, you know, they, they have something. They're trying to send a message to Arquette. They're still teaming up against him. And what are they doing to him as, as a duo? They're doing double clotheslines, double elbows. And they meanwhile they're whispering in his ear when they're locked in close. Like, you ready for this? This is the big time. Saint no, Saint WCW. Saint no publicity stuff. This is the big time.
1: These are all three former WCW champions in the ring right now.
0: In the ring, I'm going for it. David Arquette can take a beating, and he's in there taking a beating. by everybody. <laughs> Uh-oh, that's the sound. Another wrestler's coming into the ring.
1: At number 11, we have Daniel Bryan. Oh!
0: What's the pop like for Daniel Bryan? The yes chants are very loud. Yes, yes. yes. He's getting psyched. Daniel Bryan's up there. It's old school versus new-ish school. David Arquette's in the mix. Macho Man. Meanwhile... Is climbing the top rope. Very dangerous thing to do during a rumble.
1: Yeah, you don't want to do that.
0: He's lining up uh, an elbow drop right as Daniel Bryant enters the ring. And what does Daniel Bryant do? Sprints to the post that Macho Man's on. Nut punch. Macho Man falls out. Eliminated. No. Macho Man. Oh, no. So now we're left with David Arquette locked up. With Brett the Hitman Hart and Daniel Bryan's Fresh. Meanwhile, Daniel Bryan, he's a smart wrestler, wouldn't you say so? He's one of the smartest ever. Yeah, so he sees two guys locked up. What does he do? He conserves energy, lays low, sits in the corner, waiting for his next opponent. And who's he waiting on? Your turn. He is waiting on Billy Corgan from the Smashing Pumpkins, who has appeared in wrestling. And
1: is the owner of the National Wrestling Alliance.
0: Yes. Now, is this old-ass Billy Corgan, or is this, you know... Is this today Billy Corgan? This is... Tonight, tonight, Billy Corgan? Yeah, this is melancholy. Baldo? Yeah, this is bald. He's wearing his zero long-sleeve shirt. With the six six sixes on it, that that frightens the one that what's that guy used when he went to like churches preaching against Satanism? Oh, it was Al Manconi. It was in Al Manconi's newsletter. Wearing a six 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 long sleeve shirt, and with his what? What is Billy Corgan's entrance music if he's using his own work? Uh, probably zero. Well, a bullet with a bonfire wings. Despite all my rage. He's, oh yeah. Yeah. People are getting psyched up. Um, David Arquette, meanwhile, has has freed himself from the real wrestlers. And now it's weirdo David Arquette versus weirdo Billy Corgan. And I think David Arquette just puts Billy Corgan right out of his misery.
1: Yeah. He clotheslines him right out of the ring. Clothesline from hell.
0: Clothesline from hell. And Billy Corgan is eliminated before... The, uh, before the sound guy even had a chance to stop his intro music. (laughs) Sorry, Billy Corgan, you were a one-hit wonder, and now you're gone. All right, number 13. Lucky 13. We have the Brooklyn Brawler. Oh, a jobber! Jobber's got a job, but, you know, this is our fantasy roll rumble, and... Only in a Fantasy Royal Rumble would you see something like the Brooklyn Brawler coming in Jack slides in, and just whips Bret Hart over the top rope. You're going <laughs> to see a Hall of Famer eliminated by a jobber. So now it's just the Brooklyn Brawler, Daniel Bryan, and David Arquette is left. And in uh, a twist, David Arquette teams up with Daniel Bryan against the Brooklyn Brawler. And they're just double-teaming them. They're double them so loud, there's a baby screaming. There's a baby screaming. Can't even hear the next wrestler to enter the ring. Bastian Booger.
1: The most... The foul... This, this was around the same time as Mantar. He was one of my favorite jobbers. I guess he's a glor- He's a little bit higher than a jobber.
0: He's higher than a jobber, but not quite mid card. It's not mid card. So he immediately, you know, you know, they want to give him something. He's
1: famous for eating stuff and being smelly.
0: And he's smelling, so he he gets uh, he, he punishes David Arquette with some smell tactics. Puts David Arquette he has to earn some stripes by uh, spending some time in Bastion Booger's <laughs> armpits. Meanwhile, the Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, he he gets it worse. The booger takes Brooklyn Brawler, puts his face near his butt crack, and the Brooklyn Brawler vomits over the top rope. <laughs> and as he's vomiting, Daniel Bryan sees an opportunity, lifts up the Brawler's legs. Brawler's gone. He vomits out, and he's Daniel Bryan eliminated. <laughs> Bringing us to the next combatant to Number enter the 15. ring. Oh,
1: it's Flat Top Sting. Flattop
0: Sting, surfer, a.k.a. Surfer Sting. Surfer Sting, or as I like to think of him, Brian Bosworth Sting. <laughs> he's coming in ready. Daniel Bryan looks a, a little intimidated. He's man
1: called Sting.
0: And oh my goodness, he's taking his time. He's, he's enjoying it because the very next wrestler after Surfer Sting, oh my goodness, it's the other Sting. It's the crow Sting. So we have two stings now in the two ring. Two stings. Two stings in the ring, and you'd think 16. they would hate each other, but they're teaming up, and they're going crazy. They team up. They get rid of the booger. He's gone. They toss David Arquette over the top rope, but David Arquette is a fighter. What is his name of his documentary? You cannot kill David Arquette. So he does the padded move where he stops. People think he's eliminated. They turn his back. So It's called skinning the cat. The stings... You know they think they got our cat, but he's skinning the cat. The Stings team up, toss Daniel Bryan out. No, Daniel Bryan. So they think they got it all under control. Another combatant enters the ring to, to the face not 17. one but two Stings.
1: And Abraham Lincoln. Abraham
0: Lincoln. This is bearded Ham Lincoln. This is
1: Abraham Lincoln with a bullet in his
0: head. Oh, like me. Yeah. When I dressed up like Abraham Lincoln for Halloween. Now. That's what I thought of it. He's a folk hero. He's probably, you know, had. Honest Dave, he's a tall guy. He's a tall guy. He's got reach. He has wrestling experience. He's got wrestling. He's probably wrestled some bears in his day. He teams up with David Arquette. So now it's like a little mini tag team. It's two Stings against David Arquette and. Abraham Lincoln. And the Stings don't know what to do. Uh, flat top sting It's a little too excited But you know He, he lines up a, a leg drop A leg kick Kicks himself out of the ring He flew himself out of the ring He Self elimination So now it's one sting The crow sting What are, What is your take on the crow sting? What's your favorite sting?
1: Oh I I gotta say I was a huge mark Loved crow sting But Flat Top Sting is the sting that I, it was my childhood sting. I'd so definitely have the nostalgia for him.
0: He kind of was the one that really put that face paint over, made it popular. Call him and Ultimate Warrior. Well, you know, he was first. Warrior just kind of took his thing and made it... you well, know. They were tag team it.
1: partners back in the day.
0: That was big. That was big. But now it's the, you know, Flat Top Sting's gone. It's just the the, the sad sting. Yeah. But in a bizarre turn of events, Flat Top Sting was eliminated and it must have had something to do with you know, two Stings occupying the same space, cause the second Flat Top Sting hit the map, Crow Sting just dissipated, slowly faded away. <laughs> like at the end of uh uh like when uh
1: Like in Marvel?
0: Yeah, like in Marvel, like Peter Parker just faded away, turned to dust. So, now it's just Abe Lincoln and Dave Arquette chilling. What kind of horrors await them? Let's find out. Coming to the ring. Number 18. It's Andre the Giant. Oh, shit. Oh, no. There's giant. The giant's facing off against Lincoln. Uh, how, how small does our president, Abe Lincoln, look next to the giant? Tiny. Looks tiny. Think, uh, I think Andre gives him a backbreaker. Definitely a headbutt. A the headbutt. patented Andre headbutt. Andre headbutt. Lifts him up, backbreaker, and just, he's just tossed with one hand. And then you, meanwhile, Arquette's sacking himself up, and he's doing the whole swinging at him. And, and Andre's got his hand on his head, and he's just missing. He's just like being pushed away like a child. As the next combatant enters the ring, toying with David Arquette's being toyed with by the giant. It is Shawn Michaels oh. at number 19. We only have one more left. Shawn Michael, Well, we can do more. There's plenty in there. Okay. We're doing good on time. So, Shawn Michaels is running to the ring. His...
1: HBK. He's, he's actually a
0: kid. He's won a Royal Rumble. He's been great at the Royal Rumble. I mean, talk about Skinny and the Cat. This guy made that, a signature move. Yeah. It looked like... Um, he almost like... uh looked like one of the... Um, you know, one of the pole, almost like the acrobatic, like the like the pole dancers from Mad Max Fury Road, just kind of ooh, woo, woo. He's in, he's out. He comes in, uh, tries a kick to the, tries sweet chin music to Andre the Giant. What happens when Andre the Giant meets Shawn Michaels' sweet chin music? Nothing. Nothing. Then and Andre takes him by the ankle throws him out of the ring like a rag doll, And now David Arquette is just running in circles away and pulls the Wesley move from Princess Bride. He's got Andre in a sleeper hold. Andre's backing him into the corner as the next combatant enters the ring. Oh my goodness, who's coming now? Oh, you better read this.
1: Carson Creasy the Third in peak eighties dad
0: shorts. That's right. It's our dad from the eighties wearing short short, Magnum PI short quarterly shorts, high socks. He's well tanned because he was a surfer. He's got high socks and he's wearing a polo. (laughs) I wonder people remember dad for his high socks. High socks, short shorts. He's coming to the ring, and he's our dad. He's got superpowers. Dads can do things that you didn't think were possible. We were at Balboa Park one time and a juggler crawled up on his shoulders. Remember that? Yeah. So, you know, in in our eyes, in our fancy world rumble, anything's possible, our dad body slams giant, throws him over the top ropes. How do you get rid of a giant? It's dead dad. (laughs) And then what happens, and this 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 is high drama, you know, David Arquette is like, whoa, you're Brendan Creasy's, you're Brendo's dad? It's an honor to meet you. And in a heel turn, our dad goes from shaking David Arquette's hand to whipping him over the top rope. And boom, Arquette is eliminated. Or is he David Arquette? What? You can't kill him. Another skin the cat move. He's back in. He bounced back in. So it's our dad going up against... Oh, I thought you were doing it. I was just shuffling. Owen Hart, the King of Hearts. The King of Hearts. You yeah, gotta watch out for Owen. He's sneaky, sneaky. He's sneaky. Not even Ghost Dad is is enough for the technically proficient technical proficiency of Owen Hart.
1: We got two ghosts in the ring right now. We got
0: two ghosts in the ring. One ghost is gonna win. I think Owen Hart succumbs. No, no, no. It's not Owen Hart. I think Owen Hart gets the best of of Bub, Carson Creasy III. I don't know. It's Ah, a tough call. It's a tough call. Maybe they're just locked in it and we get another combatant. Oh, my goodness. It's our first non-dude. It's the Welfare Queen from Glow, who is actually... Awesome Kong. Awesome Kong. She did appear in a Royal Rumble. She has appeared in a Royal Rumble. She's experienced... She takes one look at Ghost Dad, tosses him. Ghost Dad's tossed. Owen Hart, tossed. What happens to David Arquette to the Welfare Queen? You can't kill David Arquette. Cannot kill David Arquette. So, Welfare Queen's just wailing on him, trying to get rid of this squirrely guy. And who should enter the ring? Oh my goodness. It is none other than wrestling extraordinaire Andy Kaufman. The comedian himself enters the ring and cause you know, he's undefeated against women wrestlers. So he starts talking talking shit to welfare queen and tosses the welfare queen. And the audience hates him for it. He hates him for it.
1: Sam now you have two actors in the ring.
0: Well, because it's a fantasy, guess who's following Andy Kaufman? Jim Carrey it's as G- Andy Kaufman. Jim Carrey as Andy Kaufman. So it's an actor pretending to be a wrestler and an actor pretending to be another actor pretending to be a wrestler. This Fantasy World Rumble just got a little too meta. And so I think the, the double Kaufmans, are they eliminate each other. Double elimination. We went from having two Kaufmans and three actors in the ring to one actor who is making a name for himself in a rumble. And I think this will be our last combatant to face off. So all all he needs to do to win this championship is to eliminate the final combatant who's going to be none other than who's going to face off this holiday season against David Arquette in the first annual Brendo Mania, Brendo Rummel Psychosis! Psychosis, the high-flying Latino wrestler Psychosis is the epitome of one of those wrestlers that... I love it when the high flyers get in and the first thing they do is they climb up. They go for some high wire stuff and then... What? Flash in the pan. Eliminated. Yeah. Psychosis ran in. Came in hot. David Arquette. He's been in there a long time. He survived so much. And he just let Psychosis basically jump himself out of the ring. Leaving one man standing... Who won the first annual Brendo Mania? David Arquette wins! Hey! Yeah, yeah! Oh! What does he win for his for his prowess? He wins the Brendo belt. The Brendo belt. The Brendo belt belongs to David Arquette. Yeah, that was unexpected. Yeah, I was thinking our dad was gonna take it. I thought Bo Jackson had a shot But That was pretty gimmicky
1: RoboCop If he had made it to the ring Might have Yeah how do, you, in, how do you How would you eliminate
0: RoboCop You gotta get him in the ring first Next time RoboCop Well I think
1: WCW didn't think about that either
0: Yeah if they had been more ADA compliant They would have had the, the stuff there because if you can get a wheelchair into the wrestling ring, you can get a Robocop into the ring.
1: Oh man. When we worked at Castle, we had a guy, we had an audience member in a wheelchair, and we had to like carry him around the side and then carry him up some stairs. You did? Yeah. I was a doorman, so it was my job. And we had to be ADA compliant. And since we didn't have a wheelchair ramp, I was the wheelchair ramp.
0: But you're like, but I'm disabled. <laughs> it's like getting the wheelchair ramp to help the wheelchair ramp.
1: Yeah. Well Derek helped, so it wasn't just me. That's good. I'm sure that audience appreciated it. Well he was lucky he got to he always got to get in first. And sometimes he had to he got to sit there through production meetings and stuff. Cause it was like we got to get him in now, or we won't be able to get him in at all. No, yeah, well, that's good. Yeah, he was—he was a nice guy. That was a good story, I guess.
0: It was a great story. It made me think of—we um, would get folks in wheelchairs and uh, stuff for the, like the Point Break show I did at the small theater in Portland. And we did the Point Break show, and there's these scenes where the, there's these bank robberies. And for the stage version of Point Break, the audience members are the extras, like, in the bank. So, like, it's kind of fun for an audience, you know, when the robberies happen because they're given, like, paper money. And the robbers, you know, interact with the audience members, the surfer robbers. And my buddy Alex, he is, you know, uh, you know he wears glasses, but during shows, he doesn't wear glasses or contacts, so he's kind of blind. <laughs> and he has this one—you uh, know—has this one moment where he's a robber or every night. He points to the person who's just closest to him during this moment. And It's like, "What's the matter with you?" I said, "Stand up, stand up, come and come help me to the vault." <laughs> Usually, the audience member like stands up, helps to the vault. And sure enough, probably predict where this story is going. One night, he keeps yelling at this person to stand up, help me to the vault. What's the matter? You got, you got, you got bananas in your ears? I said, "Stand up." And one of the other cast members would be like, hey, uh in a wheelchair. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Uh, it's one of those ones where, like, the, the person that, like, loves it, that, like, the person who you think would be embarrassed, the person who is in the wheelchair, is kind of, like, great. They love it. But th- how embarrassed Alex got, oh, Mwah. love it.
1: The most embarrassing thing that happened to me when I was watching a comedy show, is I went to the All-American Comedy Club in San Diego, and they have really good nachos there. And I was, and I mean, sat like right up front to see Dominic Dierkes, who I happen to know. And I don't know if it was because he knew it was me or what, but... I was eating those nachos, he's like... He's like, "Wow, you
0: are—that's some really loud nacho eating he got going there." Just immediately pointing me out. That's so he kind of so he knows you. Yeah, that's part for him. That's money because if someone's eating in there, you know, unless you're a comic who people know or is just really good, you have to be careful because even though you can get laughs, that's a situation where like you can't be too mean because if the audience thinks you're too mean to that poor person that didn't ask for this and then you could lose him. Yeah. So ha- so I'm, I, I'm it's good, but he's probably been wanting to say that. Um just so many audience members, but I was like, oh, "I don't know, but because it's like, so he got, he got he got carte blanche. So that was great. Appreciate that.
1: Yeah, it was fun, but it was also kind of embarrassing. Yeah. So I was eating
0: this giant plate of nachos going to town. Going down. That's a real fear that is actually like, you know, People who have people who've like don't regularly go see comedy or maybe have only been once, if they like sit in the front, depending on what's going on, they may have a terrible experience. They may get messed with and just be like, what? Or they may be going there looking for it and not get it and then inject themselves into the show. That could be bad, too.
1: Have you
0: had hecklers? Always. Um, but it's like... Uh, I can power through hecklers because of my style of comedy. I mean... Most, more often than not you can just ignore them it's very rare that there's a heckler that totally demands that you address them yeah nine times you know seven times out of ten if you just ignore them you can get through your stuff especially if you're doing like 10-15 minute sets but if you're headlining doing 20 plus and there's a heckler that's been heckling everybody yeah sometimes you have to address it I've had you know I've had a heckler I've danced with a drunk woman who was like heckling it was great I've had hecklers derail a show I've had the worst is when you get been heckled at like a mic By like another comedian
1: I was at a show where you got heckled by another comedian Or I
0: did? Yeah When was that? It was that an open mic Well that's an open mic What happened?
1: A, a lady that doesn't like you yelled something at you You were there?
0: Yeah How do you Do you remember what I was saying? Or what lady this was? I don't remember exactly See it's happened so many times I forgot <laughs> But yeah I've been at open mics where like yeah, comedians. One time I got heckled by a, an open micer's girlfriend. Yikes! And that was like one of the first times, and I was just like, "What?" And that this 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 comedian's partner was legendary because like she would heckle other comedians if she thought they were saying something like she was kind of preemptively kind of like, "Oh, that's inappropriate," or you know, you know, I don't know. Uh, yeah, she was. I've also seen her. In the audience When her boyfriend gets heckled And I've seen her try to handle the heckler So I've seen him be like (laughs) I got this honey And I'm like dude You just You got heckler cut So yeah Hecklers are awesome Sometimes Sometimes a show is going so poorly That you want a heckler Just for something to happen Yeah But anyway
1: the only thing I remember really we had to deal with, like at Smodcastle was like drunk people
0: just being loud. Yeah, and some more often than not, you know, hecklers are in, are having too much fun, and that's not always a bad thing.
1: Like the whole time I worked at Smog Castle, the only time there was a lady that got offended at Malcolm and almost broke down our door, leaving the. Uh, leaving Smodcastle. She was very upset. And I was like, What were you thinking you were getting yourself into? I think it was a date situation where like he this guy brought his date and she had no idea what she was getting into.
0: Yeah. It's wild.
1: But when you get two very loud gay comedians talking about gay stuff it can be kind of offensive.
0: Yeah, well, I mean I don't. I'm glad she got to hear that.
1: I am too. That's the only walkout that I ever witnessed the whole year we were open.
0: When I was a movie theater employee and projectionist, I got to in the late 90s, from like 98 to 99, uh, the movie by far and away that got walked out on the most was Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. <laughs> And that was just because like, people like like boomers that like remember themselves to be more liberal than they thought were like, ooh, Hunter S. Thompson, he's important to my generation. Then they're like, drugs and sex, oh, get <laughs> out of here. Because this was like this chi-chi suburbs of San Diego. Yeah. And then probably number two was the British Avengers because I seriously think, like... People like, thought it was The Avengers. People thought was The Avengers. Marvel's Avengers. It's like, no, that's a British TV show. But Sean Connery's in it. That doesn't mean it's Marvel. I don't know. People were weird about that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, a lot of people walked out of that movie. That's
1: too. a good movie. Is it? It's pretty good. Duh. Ray Fiennes. People don't like it. Uma's in it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. A lot of walkouts for that one.
1: They were The Avengers before The Avengers were The Avengers.
0: Yeah, but you can see why people felt duped.
1: I walked out of a. I walked out of. I remember my my roommate and I walked out of uh, Night of Living Dead 3D because we thought it was a 3D up like version of the original Night of Living Dead, and that's what it had been advertised as. And it was a brand new shitty. It was a remake, and it was shitty. So we were like, "I believe we were falsely advertised. Give us our money back," and they did. And we saw Borat. Instead And it was great It was a great
0: call Yeah I remember From working at movie theaters Knowing how liberal they are With like the readmit policy I've definitely been like if yeah, Definitely in pre-cell phone days Like Hey my friends Meet me here And I'm like Oh shoot I'm an hour early Well let me go watch 40 minutes of a movie And I'll get like A readmission pass For a better movie later <laughs> I did that a couple of times
1: Oh man Movie theaters That's fun
0: I miss them Let's Let's, let's speak Kindly Of our Our of our past let's do uh, a eulogy for movie theaters
1: you know was a really cool movie theater that we didn't explore enough
0: no but you're about to tell me
1: um the movie theater in madison that we saw ai at oh with the pizza they
0: had like pizza and booze i went there a lot i saw i saw oh i only went there once that one time i saw coyote ugly there Without me, by myself, eating pizza and having a beer. It was like me and like one other dude watching Cody, Ugly in Madison. But that was like great because like people are like, oh man, Portland's great. They got these movie theaters where they serve like a, like food like pizza and uh, if you get popcorn, they put you can put nutritional yeast, you can shake it on there, and they sell beer. It's like oh cool, like that theater in Wisconsin. Except there's one on every block, or there used to be. And Portland had a great second run theaters like. The, there' like more there used to be like more second run theaters where it's like the movies that are like almost in video. The movie you slept on you could catch for cheap and then you know get beer. I loved it. I missed the Act one and two in downtown Berkeley. That's where I went to midnight movies. I saw a Ending story there, Big Lebowski and that like you know kind of peak midnight movie phase of of cinema. I missed those.
1: Yeah, I missed the New Beverly in Hollywood, in, in L.A. I was, used to go there with Derek a lot. Double features,
0: special events. I saw Kill Bill, The Whole Bloody Affair there. Shout out the La Paloma Theater. Our friend's oh, yeah. dad used to own it. It's where they had Rocky Horror. And then when he sold it, he had a garage full of candy and soda syrup that Brendan fucking <laughs> wheezed on. Weezing on the soda syrup was like the greatest thing ever. Instead of soda water, I'll use my saliva to make soda. I remember hearing about
1: the Rocky Picture Horror Picture Show from Tim and not knowing what it was. I didn't it know it was a like movie. A nightmare.
0: I thought it was a slideshow of horror movies. And there was like people with like V's on their head painted in blood, and maybe it reminded me of Dragnet. I just remember Saturdays. We always had to be quiet
1: because Chuck would get in at like three in the morning from Friday nights. Rocky Horror, and he hated it.
0: <laughs> I'm sure, but
1: they made a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. He said it was their biggest money maker.
0: I bet. Probably made more than the Bear. Which oh the God! First movie I walked out on.
1: Yeah, I remember. We still, we stu- we played arcade. We played in the-, the video games in the lobby for the whole time.
0: The best movie I saw, The La Paloma, because they had a special couch on the balcony. It was like, ooh, there's a secret couch. Secret couch. I remember watching Ski Patrol. Yeah. Thank God they showed Ski Patrol on that single screen film. But Ski Patrol, you know, we saw Joe versus Volcano there. Saw so... Ski Patrol is one of our Christmas movies in this family. Did you know that? When I didn't we know. put ornaments, three years of running, when we put ornaments on the tree, we put up on the TV Ski Patrol. Shout out to Paul Feig and his dancing skills. Oh, I love that's my that's my favorite deep cut. So every, every time like a Paul Feig movie comes on, I have to tell Rebecca, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, that's that's Stanley from Ski Patrol.
1: I tweeted him because he was I don't know what he was asking for or something, and I tweeted him the clip of Stanley dancing, and he liked it.
0: Nice.
1: But I met Paul Feig. I met him a few times. He's really cool. He was like this, you know, sneaky star of that movie. That and Heavyweights. Those were his big movies.
0: Paul Figg. Keep it up. Good work.
1: He was also on Sabrina,
0: I think. Sorry, your, your Ghostbusters reboot went south.
1: He got so much shit for
0: that. He, it broke him for a while. I know. So much pressure because it had to be like, I wanted to be like so good like it shut the haters up. But to be honest, it wasn't. I liked it a lot. I love it. I own it. I like it a lot. I think it's very... I mean, it's awesome. I think Kate McKinnon does one of the funniest performances oh of all God. time. Um, and it's, there's a moment where like, there's like that slow-mo action shot of them being badass. Like, I teared up because I'm like, I can show this to my daughter, and she's going to love it. She yeah. doesn't have to pretend or feel like left out or excluded. But I do think that the villain in that movie... Kind of weak-sauce. Kind of
1: a weak-ass villain, yeah.
0: But there's some great scenes. The opening scene I love with the tall, goofy guy from the office and the haunted house, because I was doing haunted tours at the time. I even thought the rock show scene, that was a good ghost-trapping My scene. My
1: friend was an extra in that scene.
0: Great work. Loved it. Yeah. So what else are you watching?
1: Uh, Well, like forgot to talk about it last week, but we watched the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air reunion.
0: Lots um, oh, of drama
1: Yeah well they had the whole too First bad. two and like vids And later I, I didn't realize it at the time but I went back And read some articles But Alfonso Ribeiro Was like nah, was like, nah.
0: <laughs> talk about, But talk about least likely to hold a grudge He's like such a You know Good vibes positive Persona like, what was he holding on to? I don't know. Holding on to some shit. You're the one that read the articles. What's the dish? It didn't really say. Huh. Oh, yeah. But it was kind of nice.
1: Um, the James Avery tribute was very sweet. Just... Tell you what,
0: Aunt Viv, first Aunt Viv aged a lot better than second Aunt Viv. <coughs> well, she was a professional dancer. Dancers age like aliens. I really liked that show, though.
1: I mean, that was Fresh Prince and Blossom. That was Monday night's. Until I started watching Monday Night Raw regularly, Blossom was,
0: came on after, right? It was,
1: it was Fresh Prince was at eight, Blossom was at eight thirty.
0: Yeah, I remember because like there was that period where like I think my bedtime to appease you and make you feel good, like for a while you <laughs> had like a later bedtime, so I had to go to bed after Fresh Prince and I didn't get to watch Blossom. Thanks, mom and dad. <laughs> you got a half hour. Just I got so, a half hour just so you could feel like a big boy. So I knew like, as soon as the credits rolled and and Jazzy Jeff got thrown out of the house, I got thrown to bed. I'd like to say I went to my room and did cool stuff, but I liked sleeping as a kid.
1: You slept a lot. You took naps before anybody I knew took naps.
0: I was a depressed kid.
1: (laughs) Is that what it was? I don't know. I like naps. You were pretty active. I think you were just tired. Maybe played basketball. We had a basketball hoop. Um, so that was that was good. That was on HBO Max, and um, and then we watched the uh Stacey Abrams documentary. Oh, that was intense. Um, it's called All In, it's about
0: voter um, suppression.
1: Voter suppression, it's hey, on man. Amazon Prime. You can watch it. You, you should...
0: think voter suppression is a thing for history books? Think again, man. Oh, okay. It's just like, saying it out loud makes it sound insane. Like, she had to run against, in a governor race, the secretary, you know, not of state, but whatever the... the basically, the the politician in Georgia who's responsible for running elections she had to run against. Yeah. And this is a guy whose mentor, who has a documented history of... Uh, you know gerrymandering of suppressing votes, and she has to face off against him. And she lost by like twenty thousand votes. And I think it's awesome and badass. She is one of the only in major, you know, polit- political U.S. history. You know, so this wasn't like a, a you know a local race. This was governor of Georgia. She did not concede. Yeah, badass. And the guy's a the guy's a super villain. He's so bad. Fuck him.
1: But she mobilized, and instead of getting bitter or quitting yes! politics...
0: She's like, it's still an issue. She
1: started mobilizing and registering voters, and she flipped, she helped flip Georgia.
0: Yeah, if one single person is responsible for that state, which is a domino for a lot of other states, shout out to Stacey Abram, she's awesome.
1: There were other people, though, that Yes, yes
0: it's a team, but you know, it takes a leader, and she led that team.
1: Yeah, and the documentary is really good. Everybody should watch it. It'll, it's it's infuriating that that shit goes on and people are marginalized. And if you want to... I, people give me a lot of shit for talking, saying voter ID laws are bad, but that documentary backs me up.
0: Yeah, they are bad. It's kind of like... Um, yeah, it's just like you really haven't been, you know... Some things that seem like, oh, well, it's, you know, I'm thinking about my experience in college admissions where I have to explain to people, I'm like, uh, giving preference for internships to people that pass these standardized tests, you know, because we have decades of evidence that shows us that the person's most likely to have these tests and therefore to be, you know, given these preferential treatment for paid opportunities are most likely people who don't need the, that extra help. You know, if nobody because of COVID-19 can take the tests and there's internships for paid options for future teachers, it's just crazy that, you know, any preference given to someone who's, you know, being able to pass a test that historically favors college educated, financially well-to-do families and educated is just bad news. It's bad news. Now, yeah. fight the power, whatever is in your power to fight. <clears throat> for me, that's college admissions stuff. Nice. Um,
1: So we talked about it a little bit, but you we watched that John Ritter movie.
0: Yeah, it's all right. Um, Hero at large. Oh,
1: what were you going to talk
0: about? I was going to say it reminded me as a good companion piece because you know he he's a struggling actor who uh, is in a if you are according to movies in the eighties and nineties, violent crimes. The most violent one of the most violent places you can be in any community is like a convenience store. Yeah. They're always getting robbed. Even shout out to Billy Corgan, Smashing Pumpkins, video for 1979. What's in that video? Convenience store getting vandalized. Uh, But the pivotal scene in Hero at Large is John Ritter is still in his uh, work clothes of portraying a fictional superhero and the mom-and-pop bodega, I can call it that, because this movie takes place in New York. He's um, run by this old couple, and they're getting mugged, and he's in the back, he he takes off his trench coat, and he's in his hero costume, and, and he gets rid of the bad guys. <laughs> and it reminded me of a Steve Gutenberg vehicle um, from 1990 called Boyfriend School. Um, it has an alternate title, because one of those movies that was so bad, they're like, maybe when we send it to video, we should... Give it a new name. Uh, didn't didn't help much, but anyway. Um, that movie, he's like, he gets a makeover because it starts, he's in a fat suit. It's one of the first, you know, he, I think he's an early adopter. Remember the fat suit trend? Yeah. What are some of your favorite fat suits? We talked about this before, but Eddie Murphy, of course. Eddie Murphy, of course. Martin Lawrence. Well, Gutenberg started it, but anyway, he gets that makeover, and he he becomes like a that '80s like Lorenzo Lamas, Dog the Bounty Hunter type. He's wearing like a leather duster, and he's like in character in this macho guy that you know he's been like basically like you know coached up to be like ladies love this. And he's in a convenience store that gets robbed, and he stops the robbery in front of his love interest. It's like, what do we learn from from these two movies? Uh, the easiest way to a woman's heart is through intervening in a convenience store. Robbery. That's how you get ladies. That's all you need to know. The Tao of Steve? No. All you need to know is the Tao of how to stop an armed robbery, and you will find all the romance your heart desires. I don't
1: think I would do very well in an armed robbery situation.
0: You probably intimidate people. Not with a gun. Well, I mean, not all these robberies are taking place with guns. Some of them, you know, they have knives. Oh, yeah. Or they're just yell. But yeah, um, I would say boyfriend school, also known as "Don't Tell Her It's Me," um, which stars Shelley Long. I mean, think about that cast: Shelley Long, the Goots, Gutenberg, Kyle McLaughlin's in it. I would pick that one. Over. How have I never heard of this? It' one well, of those ones where it underperformed. I was and, like, peak Shelley Long. I know, and it's their, their chemistry is good. Um, I really like Shelley Long. I don't think she got enough. Yeah. I mean true Beverly Hills, go see that.
1: That's all time classic.
0: But yeah. That's what I'm doing.
1: Your daughter's still awake.
0: Bad dad, Rad Dad. What makes me a bad dad? Um well man, she's been up late some of these nights. <laughs> she was up till midnight the other night. Ah, she's been taking some late naps. But yeah. That makes me a bad dad. Uh
1: rad dad. Uh, I haven't done.
0: It makes me feel like a bad dad when, if you don't have one pre-prepared, you can't think of what makes me a good dad.
1: Well, you've had, we've done so many. I would think.
0: Um, should be a a, a a fountain. Well, I've a just refresh.
1: Um, you let I like that you let her explore things that, and she's very explorational. And you also teach her things through her exploration, like
0: she's learned to get herself crackers. I didn't teach her that. Rebecca did. And she just opened a cabinet and was like, give me this cracker.
1: But yeah. But I today that's she, I was with her and she went and got herself a cracker.
0: She's becoming self-sufficient.
1: One of cool these days have- she's going to be
0: able to do stuff for us. She already does. Like, if I'm full clothes and it's like mom's in the other room, I'm like, oh, bring your mommy this. And she loves doing that. And also, that's one less thing for me to fold. (laughs) Love you, Lil.
1: She's pretty great. Yeah.
0: She's got a good uncle. All right. All right. Mania in the books. We'll be back in less than a week. Yeah, we took a little long time this week. It was a holiday. It was a holiday
1: and we're still moving, new house. We're in it. But we're pre-moved in in the house. We're moved out of the old place. That's right. It only took us a week and a half.
0: You try moving in a pandemic, it's hard. It sucks. Whatever.
1: Moving sucks, period. Moving in a pandemic is double suck. And like... Trying to schedule people in the house
0: and not being and like, ugh. but it's great. I hope it's great. I love you, bro. I love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Love you, bro-mania. <laughs> love you love bro. Mania. Love you, bro. Love you, bro. Ignore that.